You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's real simple. You know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome in to another edition of the Take the North podcast presented by Odyssey. I am Dan Weederer from the Chicago Tribune, joined today by special guest Lawrence Holmes of 670 The Score, sitting in for our buddy David Haw, who is still vacationing. Uh, this will be our last episode before the Bears jump into preseason game action Saturday at Soldier Field against the Tennessee Titans. Always remember to like and subscribe to the podcast, refer it to your friends, do all the things that, that that keep us growing, keep us happy, keep us excited. Lawrence, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. I plan on taking this podcast and never giving it back. I, I appreciate I appreciate that plan. Uh, we'll see what happens from here. We've got a lot to get to, a lot to to sift through. I'm excited to have uh, some of this conversation with you, just to kind of get a, a a different lens on on some of the things we're looking at. But one of the things that I want to start with today is we go into the preseason on Saturday at Soldier Field against the Titans, and for most people in the world, most sane, rational, grounded humans. Preseason football is preseason football. It's something that you kind of pay attention to on a weekend in August, and then you kind of just buy your time until the regular season arrives. But you've been around this before. You've been around what this means and what's at stake for the players and the people involved in this. And so you've got an appreciation for some of the intensity for the guys that don't have jobs guaranteed for them and, and, and the rookies and the, the undrafted guys and all of the, the battles and competitive tension and all the things that go on in August. And I'm just curious what you remember about developing that appreciation that a lot of people uh, don't know about. And then when you get on the inside, you go, man, this is a little bit more intense than I ever realized. I can tell you that there's a part of me, my body clock still goes off. Like I, I covered the bears for so long that usually around the second week of July, I'm like, oh, I need to make sure I get everything in order. I need to make sure that I've, I've got all my vacationing done and everything else. Because once the the third week of July comes around, you know that you were going to be headed, at least in my case, one year in Platteville and then the rest of the time in Bourbonnais. And so I usually am in that mode around then. I loved covering training camp. It was one of my favorites of the job. 
mainly because you would get to see a lot of the listeners. Like for for us, like it was like a family reunion, you know. Like you see the listeners and they'd yell out to you. You saw some of that in in the days in Burnay where people were like, oh, that's Dan Weederer, right over there, right. So I I love that. And then you get into the practices themselves. There should be a real appreciation for being able to be that close to NFL speed, right? And when you see it ground level right there. It's even more impressive than seeing it on television. And then you learn, like, of course, you're covering the stars of the team and how does the quarterback look and all of that stuff. But when you start talking about guys that are 51, 52, 53 on a roster or a guy that doesn't didn't have a chance to make the roster, but was so good in training camp that it would come down to the third preseason game for that guy to prove that he could usurp guy number 53 or guy number 52. Those were always some of the the more fun things where a guy makes a roster and maybe he makes that roster for the first time in his career coming out of camp and the joy, or I remember, I remember Rashid Davis and Rashid ended up having a really long career with the Bears. That guy was working at Best Buy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like right. th- that, that's one of those camp stories of an arena league guy that still felt like he could make it. But to supplement himself and his family at the time, he was working at Best Buy. Now, Best Buy pretty much doesn't even exist anymore. Like, that's how long <laughs> we're talking about. But. I always love those types of stories and learning about guys that were hustling. And then in the case of a guy like Rashid, for him to not just make the team, but in recent Bears playoff history, have one of the most important catches in a Bears playoff game to go from from a guy that was working at Best Buy to making clutch catches in, in the postseason is pretty cool. Yeah, during my time in Minnesota, my my last year there, I left that beat in the middle of the preseason. So I, I said, you know, I came to Chicago from, the, and I remember there was a receiver, undrafted rookie out of Mankato, Mankato State, named Adam Thielen. You watch this guy run around on on special teams, and you're like, this guy might just be able to to carve out a little bit of a a special teams role, and, and maybe be a you know end of the roster receiver for them. And then you look. <laughs> 10 years right. later and the dude is you know he's been in the pro bowl a few times he's, he's he's one of the better receivers in the league and so there's there's always those moments right and and i used to say when there was a four four game preseason that that fourth preseason game was the most boring game for a casual fan but if you knew what was at stake for every single player that was playing in that game you could feel it sometimes i remember talking to josh woods about it one year of being like man there is nothing like the fourth preseason game where desperation and competition just gets in this sort of, you know, collision with one another. And then it's just a whole night of guys just fighting to make one last impression on a general manager or coach that can, can help them get a job. And so that's kind of going to be a little bit of what we're starting Saturday when the Titans come to town and face the bears at soldier field. Can I ask you a question on the take the North podcast? Absolutely. It's open forum. How have you noticed preseason has changed with the three game schedule instead of the four game schedule. 
Well, the three-game schedule is all tied to health and safety of players. And it's a concession that the league has made in order to get that 17th regular season game added. And, and so what you have now is a heightened focus on trying to get as many bodies as you humanly possibly can to the regular season without being banged up and hurt. And so what has happened here probably in the last five years is this premium on these crossover practices. The Bears are going to do it next week in Indianapolis. And, and Luke Getze talked a little bit about that today, particularly for Justin Fields, about how it, it's an opportunity to get into a highly competitive situation against a team that's going to throw different things at you than you've seen all through training camp. And you can go and get this high-intensity competition in in a controlled environment. And so what we're seeing now is 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 more and more of the controlled environment stuff that 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 teams are are just being way more cautious of uh, playing the 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 risk reward game and saying look like we don't want any of our key starters to miss significant time in the regular season because we took things for granted in the preseason. I remember sitting in Nashville um I guess this would have been 2017 uh, when Cam Meredith tore his ACL, Cam was coming off a, a really promising yeah. 2016 season and looked like he was going to have a leading role on that team. And he gets, you know, blown up on a, on a pass over the middle and his career was never the same after that. And that's one of those cautionary tales of, oh man, you know, is this really worth it? You know, I mean, Cam went in, on to New Orleans and I think he played a little bit there, but was never the same player. And so th- th- it, it's just one of those things where, where if you're a general manager, if you're a coach, you go, okay, we want to get some development. We want to get some chemistry. We want to get some cohesion, but at what cost and at what risk? And so the, I, I think that's the biggest change I've seen is there's way more discussion on that, way more focus on that, way more concentration on that. And then it becomes kind of a team by team, case by case um you know, decision-making process that you have to go through, which leads me into some of what I wanted to talk to today, because we did talk to Matt Eberflus on Wednesday and Luke Getze again on Thursday about, okay, so what are you trying to get out of this Saturday? When we go to Soldier Field, what are you looking to do? And, and Luke talked first big picture wise about how he hopes to get several things out of the offense. Here's some of what he had to say this afternoon about just, just the general big picture goals of Saturday. I think so incremental is, is the way that I, I just believe in just getting better. I do believe in that. I think a preseason game is hard to get too excited about or too frustrated about as well. So preseason is, is a different style. We're trying to do as, as good of a job as we can evaluating the guys that we have on the roster. Um, and so you're going you're gonna to do some different things. And so we want to make sure that we're able to do that. Now, it's still important that we we follow our, our principles and see that play style. That's what, you know, we want to make sure that that is evident on the tape. Uh, that better be evident on the tape, the way we're firing off the football, taking care of the football and the way that we finish. We want to do that better than anybody in the world. So that better be what we see in uh, first week. So the goals there, Lawrence, are modest. You know, it's just to get a feel for things and and, and get ready to go. But also Luke emphasizing there that – and this word comes out of Luke's mouth a lot, and it's significant to him. It's play style. You know, and he has a play style that he wants. And he thought that the Bears – accomplished it in a lot of ways a year ago in just becoming a nasty group up front that that can go ahead and and set a tone by establishing the run and then play a certain way so that the opponent knows that that they're going to feel you you know play in play out series in series out that's going to be part of what saturday is no longer no matter how many starters play and how long they play it's just like let's let's make sure we're establishing something that has some carryover potential into september yeah and and these are the things that those of us who cover the game We're interested in, like, for me, Saturday is all about, is the offensive operation clean? Like, that's that's honestly, like, all I care about. Now, if something happens in the game where Justin Fields looks, like, ridiculously awful, 
or he looks like the the the, the next coming of Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> I'm not going to freak out because it's preseason. But I want to see in and out of the huddle. Maybe there's a line protection change here or there. What what do you look like in a two minute drill or a 90 second drill at the end of the half? Those sorts of things are things that I'm interested in. And you don't always get it because guys aren't going to play for a long time. It, but, but, but for fans, it's so exciting because you haven't seen your football team right. in a uniform in a long time. And I would say that now more than ever, because fans aren't really, I mean, they're allowed, but they aren't really allowed to train camp practices. Here's an opportunity for you to get familiar with some of the names you're hearing us talk about. Like, hey, who's Roshan Johnson? Right. Like, I, I want to see, I've been hearing about this guy. I want to see what he's all about. Who's Tyler Scott? Like, all of this stuff plays into what the game is like. And sometimes I think we forget that because we're so intrigued by how things fit together, what coaches and general managers are saying about things and does it match? Does the visual visual match the audio uh, when it, when it comes to covering a team, but I'm starting to like finally start to live in the space of, Oh, look at that. Football's back. Right. That's kind of cool. Like we get a chance to see a little bit of football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So obviously at noon sharp on Saturday, the the spotlight's going to zero in on Justin Fields because we know he's going to play and we know he's going to play early and we don't know how much he's going to play. A year ago, it was 57 snaps in the preseason. He played three series in the opener, one in the second game, and then pretty much the entire first half in Cleveland to close out the preseason. And so so you're looking at, you know, maybe five dozen snaps that he's going to get in the preseason of 2023. Luke talked today about some of uh, the decision-making that went into, okay, are we going to play Justin? How much are we going to play Justin? What are we looking to get out of this? Here's what he had to say on that topic. I think it just kind of falls back into the the chemistry thing, right? Getting that that group kind of for the first time and – 
uh, having that experience for the first time. I mean, we just talked about Darnell, just to put him in a uniform, get up, hear the cadence, hear the huddle call, hear cadence. All that stuff is invaluable. So let's go get a crack at it. Um, and um, it'll be good to, to just kind of get things started off the right way. One thing I really appreciate about this coaching staff is they don't take the little things for granted and the understanding that look like this isn't just about Justin Fields. We've got a rookie right tackle that we're trying to get used to a lot of different things. And so it will help him to be out on the field with as many uh, of his his first unit teammates as, as possible. It'll help him to, to hear the huddle calls. It'll help him to hear some of the cadences. And so um, it'll be fascinating to see how that goes with Justin. I think like you just you just want to get a feel that there's progress made, that, they're, that, that the rhythm and timing that they've talked about all offseason shows up when there's a live pass rush with, with opponents that don't care about your health and safety. <laughs> you know, they're not pulling up when they get two feet from you. They're trying to, to put you on the ground so that they can make a difference for their team and for the, themselves individually. So it'll be interesting to see kind of just how that looks in obviously a very small snapshot on Saturday at Soldier Field. Yes, I, I am looking forward to it too. And with Fields, he's he's garnered rock star attention yes. maybe without rock star accomplishment he he has garnered that people are interested in what what thing is he come back with like when we're talking about old school chicago bull stuff every season hey what did jordan come back with oh he, he came back with a three-point shot this year oh he came back with a baseline turnaround shot this year people are wondering what is it that justin fields is going to come back with is he going to be more precise and and is he going to be a pass first, but I'm still a dangerous run weapon second? Or has the offense moved to a place where that's they can draw more stuff in that puts his athleticism on display? We were listening to um, Michael Vick who was on with Colin Cowherd and he was talking about how it wasn't until a little bit later on in, in his career that Vic said that he under, he finally understood that you can't anticipate run. You can't anticipate play is doomed. I have to run. You need to watch it play out and watch the progressions happen. And then if while in the pocket and going one's gone, two's gone, I can't make the throw to three, then you go. Aaron Rodgers made mention of it on Hard Knocks this week where he was talking to, to Zach Wilson and he was saying, you know, you, you, you do a double hitch, it's too late. Right. Like, you got to go or the ball's got to be out. And those are all things that, as we continue to watch Justin Fields, that I'm curious about. Has his internal clock <laughs> sped up when he's in the pocket? Because that's what I think is going to make him successful. You're not the only person curious about that. The general manager of the Chicago Bears is curious about that. He wants to know in 2023, what does this look like now that I've given him an upgraded offensive line, now that I've given him some playmaking weapons? What does this look like in terms of his ability to play from the pocket, his ability to increase his processing speed, his ability to know when to run and when to throw a check down that gets you, you know, maybe less big picture potential yardage, but still gets the chains moving and keeps the, the, the energy tank and the fuel tank where it needs to be. The ability to get even 12 plays, eight plays, whatever it is on Saturday, gives you a chance to go back on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday in the film room and teach off of it and say, look, like, you know, I know we've been repping this in camp, but now you've got a, a live rush coming at you and this is where you broke down or this is where you succeeded. This is where you excelled, climb that pocket and, and, and hit a throw here. And so I think when I talk about this coaching staff being 
very, very um, appropriately appreciative of every single moment they have to teach and develop. This is what I mean, because they, they don't take for granted the idea that, oh, yeah, it's nine plays. What are you going to get out of it? What happens if it gets hurt? It's, it's, this is nine plays that we can dial in on in the lab and teach off of and help this quarterback who's always thirsting for knowledge and th- thirsting for developmental uh, instruction to, 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 to jump on the horse with us and, and, and ride through. I really want to see him succeed. I I don't know if I've invested in a Bears player like this since I was at the end of like my tenure covering the team. Um, Even with Jay Cutler, like there was, you wanted him to do well, but there was still like a wall. It it feels, it feels like it, it with Justin, he's a little bit more, um, what's the right word? Accessible. Likeable. Now he's, not, he's definitely, he's clearly more likable, uh, but, but he seems to be more accessible. And I think that he, he could have such a great relationship with this city. No doubt. And you've already seen like bits and pieces of it. Now, now it has to, that affection that people have for him, the plays got to start to match it. And we've seen some of the incredible runs and even honestly, some of the incredible throws that he made last year. There were a bunch of throws that Justin Fields made that went through guys' hands. Guys are losing them in the lights in your home stadium, like all sorts of weird stuff is going on. But you want to see him match that affection that he's getting from Bears fans with play. Because I feel like Bears fans have been like, no, 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 you don't understand. This guy is going to be the guy, but they need some more evidence to back up their claims on it. It's consistency, right? And it's productivity and it's success. And it's, it's all those things that, that come together to define a starting quarterback. And it's what separates the, you know, the top tier guys from a tier three guy. We've talked on this podcast before about the Mike Sando tiers, or, you know, 50 people around the league who have put Justin outside the top 20 because they're curious and they want to see more before they validate him as one of the league's stars because there isn't enough proven evidence on game days in the season that tells you, yep, can't miss absolute surefire escalator up to the top tier. And so now this is the opportunity to start climbing those stairs. And Saturday's just a step in that process that, again, that they will embrace and they'll take advantage of. The other thing I wanted to talk about with the preseason, and it goes back to kind of our first thoughts on this, is the idea that for, for – 10 guys in the draft class and 10 undrafted rookies and a handful of others. This will be the first time they ever stepped foot on an NFL football field. And there's a, a combination of energy and anxiety that comes with that. That's sure. unmatchable. And I wrote a column for the Chicago Tribune that we'll, we'll publish on uh, Thursday night that, that talks a little bit about that feeling. And so, uh, before we get into Tyler Scott, who's one of the rookies here in this draft class, who's very eloquent and able to describe what he's feeling going into his first NFL game, had a chance to ask a couple of other guys about what they remember. TJ Edwards comes in the league in 2019 as an undrafted rookie, right? He's fighting for a roster spot in Philly. He knows he's got to contribute on, on special teams. He knows he's got to try to figure out a way to become a, a defensive backup. And he says in, in one of his first preseason games against the Ravens, he remembers going down on punt team and being engaged with Matthew Judon. Then with the Ravens, he said, he said, guy, dude, held me down the field the entire way. We got to the end and he flung me to the ground and I got up and was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this. You know, this is different, man. You know, and, and, and so it's that feeling of of 
all that self-belief you have, all that validation to get to this level. And then you have a moment in your first game where you're like, holy crap, this is like faster and more intense and more pressure packed than I thought. And here I am, an undrafted guy, just trying to fight for a job. To his credit, here we are four years later, and he's got a $19.5 million contract with the Bears to be a starter on this defense. P.J. Walker, even bigger underdog story, coming out of Temple as an undrafted rookie in, in 2017, and he goes into to the Lucas Oil Stadium to play the Lions in his first preseason game. He said it was like the first time that I, it didn't feel like I was playing football as a kid anymore. There's just mm-hmm. so, so much nerves and so much jitteriness to it, and you're seeing – you know, full speed NFL defense. And, and you're like, man, like this is, this is something else. And so it's never to be taken for granted that for a lot of these guys who are doing this for the first time, there's going to be that element of, um, I guess, competitive tension and nervousness and excitement that you all have to, you, you just have to figure out a way to find the right calibration and balance through it all. When we're talking about all the rookies who come into the NFL, most of those guys have never really tasted failure, right? They've been the star of their town, probably their county, maybe even their state. They've been that person. They've been in a winning program, you know, whatever it is, even if we're talking about like winning the Mountain West or whatever, like they played winning football. And then even in camp, because you're you're going 80 percent, you know, you're not tackling to the ground. There isn't the same animosity. That goes on inside of an actual NFL game. And then you get to the, hey, man, I'm trying to eat phase. (laughs) You know, I'm a guy that's trying to make the bottom of this roster in, in Nashville. And so I'm not here to help you up. I am not here to, to allow you to, to get off the line of scrimmage. I am here to bust your face open (laughs) because I want to pop on film. I want the coaches to be like, that guy needs to be out there. So it is a rude. I'm, I'm so glad that you did this story because honestly, I think that people have it in the back of their mind. But when we continue to talk about the level of elite that, that we're discussing, it's part of the reason like why Justin Fields last year watching him was so amazing because you go, well, yeah, he's big, strong, and fast. He's running away from decorated NFL right. defenders now. Right. Like, there's a difference between the guy who's a backup linebacker at Iowa and running away from him versus running away from real dudes who made it. That's what's so special about it. And seeing these guys that have to fight these battles and and you're going to have a wake up call. Yeah. Like you, you, that first time down on kickoff return, you're going to have a wake up call. Your first time across the middle if you're a wide receiver or if you're a defender and you're like, "Oh my god, I didn't realize how many times did we hear that last year with Fields?" Right. How many times did we hear defenders go, "I didn't realize he was so fast. You have to see it up close." When they did the whole thing for him um on the NFL Top 100, they the whole thing was defenders saying we didn't realize he was so fast he ran right by me right and and, and it's coordinators saying that also and yes. saying like now how do we account for this and, and you know like we go into this preseason game on on Saturday and really the unspoken directive to all these guys is is prove yourself and Braxton Jones last year you know he's a day 3 draft pick 
but through the spring, he had earned his way into to an inside track to a starting role. But he gets into that first preseason game and he feels that urge to prove himself. And his message this week, a year later, was you prove yourself by being assignment sound. You prove yourself by doing the right things. You prove yourself by not trying to do too much. Much easier said than done for a lot of these guys, because you want to prove yourself and, and that, that urgency and that, that eagerness gets you to play outside of yourself. And then you make a mistake rather than just being assignment sound and having something that the next morning looks super crisp on film. And the coaches go, look at this, this dude did it the right way. So with that, I'm going to transition us into the audio from Tyler Scott, because we had a chance to talk to him both about his, uh, his energy as he goes into, to commemorate this moment of playing in an NFL game, albeit preseason for the first time, and just kind of his mindset in, in what he wants wants to do here was that back and forth on thursday afternoon at house hall uh, to finally be uh first of all i mean first time really on like kind of the nfl stage uh for sure you know something you dream of doing um I, i've tried not to think about it if i'm being honest with you because i get kind of jittery uh you know when i think about it but uh, i'm trying to continue to take each day at a time you know we still got a um I think we have practice tomorrow. We got like a walkthrough tomorrow. Um, so just trying to really focus on just the next day. Um, and then when that time comes, you know, I'll be ready. But uh, it's going to be fun to finally go against somebody that's not your, you know, own teammates and, um, you know, go against another team. So I'm pretty excited. How much uh, time do you expect to see Saturday? Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. Uh, they haven't really told me anything. Um, you know, I'm just kind of, hey, Scott, get in there. Hey, Scott, come out. You know, so uh, that's kind of how I'm just operating. Anything specific you want to show in the game? Um, that I know what I'm doing. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, just making sure that I'm aligned the correct way, making sure I'm in the, you know, when I'm motioning, I'm in the right landmarks, uh, making sure I'm running game, I'm taking the right angles, uh, meeting the blocker in the right areas, um, those type of things. Just making sure that when I'm out there, you know, I'm trusted that I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, so those things, that that's all preparation things, just knowing the playbook inside and out. Um, so you're ready. Will you, give yourself a moment, will you give yourself a moment Saturday morning to, to just feel those jitters soaking in and, and give yourself that personal satisfaction of knowing you're on the stage? Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you just gave me goosebumps right there just uh, <laughs> talking about it. Um, yeah, for sure. I just like to, you know, sit back and smell the roses, you know, so to speak. And, um, you know, I try not to take this for granted that, you know, I'm in a position that I'm in and it's very humbling because um, I know so many people that, you know, would love to be in the position that I am right now. Um, so, honestly, just take it all with gratitude. Um, and so I know for sure when that time comes, I'm going to definitely be antsy and jittery. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just also humbled as well to be there. That's a mature young dude there, Lawrence. He's he's been fun to talk to this camp. Yes, it sounds like it. And I I was joking with Bernstein about this. I really hope he's good because he can definitely talk it. I want to see him walk it. I've been watching his tape, man. I'm excited about what he might be able to do. The, The types of things that he can do, the types of mismatches that he can create, whether you're lining him up in the slot, or if you're putting him in motion, watching his route running in college, and it's different in Cincinnati, you know, they run one of those those offenses where you look over to the sideline and they got the cards up and all this stuff. Is Tyler Scott going to be able to keep all of the sight adjustment stuff in his head, the route adjustment stuff in his head so that he can maximize his potential? But I agree with you. Like, I think that there is a level of maturity with him that I find appealing. And I hope 
that the talent matches the maturity. Well, and all these versions of the Shanahan offense come with all these motions and shifts and alignments and responsibilities that you never have to account for when you're coming out of college in a system like he came from in Cincinnati. It's that eye candy that that makes defenses lose sleep at night. And you've got to know what your responsibilities are on those. And so I think the Bears have been trying to figure out, okay, how much of that is he in tune with? How much do we have to scale back just so he can play fast and free and, and use the gifts that he has, which is one, uh, the speed, natural speed that, that that is game-breaking, and two, the maturity, because this dude is responsive to coaching. And that's something you've heard through the pre-draft process and then with the guys that have worked with them, Luke Getze and Tyke Tolbert specifically here, that just the, 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 the willingness to absorb and apply coaching is off the charts. And so you do root for guys like that because you say they're about the right things. They have a skill set that can that can be really special. And so now how do you get those two things to marry up on a timeline that isn't too rushed or accelerated because you don't want a guy to, 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 to have uh, too many bumps in the road and too many self-doubt moments that, that, that knock them off course? I wide receivers who are confident. I mean, because if you're not, and I, I don't mean cocky, I, I truly mean confident. And that's what it sounds like with him. There's going to be a learning curve. I'm aware of it. But I, I really want to see if he can sustain what I think could be a really cool career in the league. Yeah, like this is a dude that could have 23 catches and it could be super encouraging, right? <laughs> you know, like yep. that, that, that's kind of, you know, kind of what, what we could be looking at with Tyler Scott. All right, I wanted to, to zoom out a little bit and go a little bit more big picture before I let you fly here because right. I think it's a good time. We've been in camp for almost, uh, you know, this is the third calendar week that we've been in camp. We're heading to the preseason and there's a chance to, to kind of get a feel for how you feel about the Bears. I've got my answers to these questions, but I gave you a homework assignment to come up yes, with something you did. that you Something that you trust, something you believe in, something you're concerned about, and something you doubt with the Chicago Bears. So we'll go through the list. I'll give you a uh, first crack at each of these, and we'll start out with trust. What is one thing with the 2023 Bears that you trust? I trust the back five. I, I think that that group is really good, and I like that they have kind of made a commitment to make Kyler Gordon the nickel guy, uh, to have him play primarily in the slot. With a healthy Eddie Jackson and a healthy Jaquan Brisker, I trust that that back five, because you're going to be going up against 11 personnel, you know, 80% of the time. I trust that they know what to do. And I'm excited to see how each of them has grown as individuals and how they can make some plays. Obviously, you'd like a little bit more interception production out of Jalen Johnson, but Overall, I think that is the most trustworthy group that the Bears have. I like that answer a lot, and I don't disagree with it one iota. My trust is Justin Fields' trust in DJ Moore. And training camp has been an absolute showcase of, of where that chemistry has gotten to in four short months of, of, of them getting to know each other. And it's not the, the highlight reel plays that you see on social media that juice you up as much as it is the quick slant third and six, eight-yard completion, the curl route, the third and five, move the chains. Justin's ability to make those trust throws to understand that DJ is going to be where he's supposed to be and to let it rip is going to be something that turns a, a three and out into a nine-play field goal drive, turns a nine-play field goal drive into a 12-play touchdown drive. And all of a sudden, you've got that momentum that you're seeking to create. And as an offense, it's been really cool to watch. And like I say, there are, there are three moments a day that won't show up on a YouTube highlight montage, but it's, it's DJ catching a pass that's 
uh, you know, six inches behind them uh, on a third down play and turning it in to a 12 yard gain. And you go, that's it. Like that's high level receiving, you know, Brandon Marshall at his best was a guy that when, when Jay needed to, to, to move the, the chains on third and six, you're just like, all right, it's going to be here. The whole stadium knows it's going to be here and he's going to run the route and he's going to use his physicality and use his hands and the chains move. And you just go, that, that that's how you get to 110 catches and 1200 yards and 12 touchdowns <laughs> and knocking on the door of the hall of fame. Right. Crazy. Right. Knocking like, on the door of it. I don't know if he'll ever get in, but. He's knocking on the door of it with some of his statistics that he had and that catch radius of Brandon Marshall's where he would almost like a power forward box the defender out so right. that he would right. have space to extend his hands and make a play. and You couldn't get around him. Um, so you're right about that. This is one of my, my favorite parts of covering him. That and doing the TV show with him for two years. <laughs> we could do a whole separate episode on Brandon yeah. Marshall stories. Yeah, bring, we'll bring, bring me back, back for that on one. The podcast <laughs> so that we can do the Brandon Marshall we, we, stories. We'll, we'll, get, we'll make that a roundtable because uh, there's several people that, <laughs> that can chime in on that one. All right, let's jump into the believe in category. 2023 Bears, something you believe in. I believe that. Justin Fields has done everything necessary to get better. That doesn't mean that he's going to get better, but I believe that he hasn't been slacking in the off season that he wants to be great. And he's been working on himself to try to make himself great. I don't know if, if it will turn out, but I at least believe in his work ethic and his ability to adapt. And, and the evidence that I use is what happened last year after week five, where he was willing to put in the work and they were able to work with him. So I, I believe in his hard work in, outside of the season. And I hope that it, it pays off once these games count for real. Shortly after he was drafted, I had a really cool conversation with John D. Filippo, who was the quarterback's coach at the time, and his intent in those early stages, those formative stages with Justin, of getting him to understand what the quarterback lifestyle was. And there's a lot of guys that come in this league and think that they work hard and they study hard and they prepare hard, but it's not the quarterback lifestyle that is required to be a long-term starter in the NFL. I was so happy that Netflix put a little bit of a spotlight on this here this summer and gave us that quarterback documentary so the outside world could understand what is meant by the quarterback lifestyle and how even the hardest workers don't meet that bar, you know, and how much you have to prepare and how much you have to study and how much you have to know and how much you have to apply. Justin has definitely checked that box here. That one's checked. Now we're on to another checkpoint to see where he goes with that. So I like that answer a lot. My belief right now is in the energy and the cohesion that is coming together with the defense. I'll get into to some of my question marks here in a minute, but I just think that the, you, you feel it before every team period out here at training camp. The defense gets together as an entire unit in a big huddle, and it's organic, and it's natural, and there's just a, a swagger and a juice that's comes pumping out of that group that is going to be meaningful. Now, listen, it's got to be backed by playmaking. You have to make plays. You have to hold opponents below 30 points and then below 25 points and then below 20 points to become a top-tier defense in this league. But the fact that they've got some of that, that, that natural energy going right now and that chemistry building, it's an important thing for this team. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. So, wait, what's next on the list? Concern. What concerns oh, yeah. you? Woo. <laughs> I am concerned about the offensive line. And I think that it's possible 
that the Bears offensive line got better, but still isn't good. I look at the names. I look at the the amount of money that they put into it, them drafting Darnell Wright, and I go, okay, like these to me are real improvements that they've made. But does that mean that they're good? And I I still have some concern that that even after an offseason of people talking about Braxton Jones working on anchoring and his strength and him not being so susceptible to the bull rush. It was a little disconcerting to me that in one of the first practices after the practice was over, the first padded practice, that he was like, yeah, so I was still getting beat with the with the right. bull rush. Like, that's a concern for me. And their faith in him, I hope they he rewards their faith. He gets points from me for posting 17 games. Like, that's a big deal for anyone yeah. to be out there and play 17 games. I don't want them to get caught in the fact of, yes, that's good. That's what you want. You want a guy that's going to be available for you. And that then meaning to them that he's good at football. I need to find out if he's actually good at football or if he's good for a fifth rounder. Right. And like, those are also different things too. Yes. I'm sure that he is someone that even right now can stick like his floor is established. He is an NFL at least at minimum swing tackle at minimum. Now, can you show me that you are a top half? I'm not, I'm not even going top third, top half starter yep. at your position. Yep. That's what I'd like to be. I, I But I have concerns about that. I'm not as concerned about. Um, I know that people have been on Nate Davis watch. <laughs> I don't know how you feel about this. I'm on watch. This, <laughs> this feels to me like veteran who hates camp. Sure. That's what that's the vibe I get. It's like, ah, I'll be ready the week before, like the week before we start game week. I'll get ready then. I don't need to get ready now. That's what it feels like a guy who hates camp. Hates camp, hates OTAs. Hates practicing. I mean, you know, that, that that's that's a reputation that, that, that you're going to have to debunk here because you haven't done anything to prove that you love those things. And for a culture where the, the head coach wants it to be an effort based culture and, and, and be based on hustle and intensity and, and, and all the other things, we're 13 practices in the training camp. Nate Davis has not had a single padded practice yet. He's missed more than half of the practices here. And again, he missed two weeks in the spring. Uh, that he didn't want to be here joining a new offensive line. So um, I'm going to piggyback a little bit off of what you said and take it in a slightly different direction. Health is my concern with this team. It's health because okay. what happens if the health isn't there? I look out at practice today and Nate Davis is not practicing. I look out at practice today and Tremaine Edmonds isn't practicing. I look out at practice today and Demarcus Walker isn't practicing. Jaquan Brisker's not out there. Chase Claypool isn't out there. You say, okay, cool. It's August 10th. We've got exactly one month until we've got to lace them up for the season opener against the Packers. But health has to be something that, 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 is um, key for this team. You mentioned Braxton Jones making 17 starts as a rookie. Tevin Jenkins has played 11 games where he's played more than 50% of the snaps in two years with the Bears. We're locking him in as if he's this difference-making starter on the interior of the offensive line. We have no idea if he's going to be healthy on October 1st, much less December 31st. So there is some question marks with the health of this football team, and that will lead me into my doubt here in a minute, but I'll let you uh, close it up with, with what your biggest doubt about the 2023 Bears is. I mean, this is rough. Um, 
because it is one of my my things that I care about. And I was saying earlier that I believe that the work has been done. My biggest doubt is that the offense can take the necessary step forward. And it might be because of some of the stuff that we've already chronicled, where is the offensive line healthy? Is the offensive line good? Can Justin take that next step? Do I have to worry about Chase Claypool losing his cool now? Because he's clearly been knocked down as far as hierarchy of Bears wide receivers. And for a guy that's trying to get a a new contract, how is that going to play out? Did Luke Getze learn enough about his quarterback that he could devise a really strong offensive system that Justin Fields can can work out of and prevail in? I have doubts. I'd like to not have doubts, but I think it would be foolish to not walk into this season um, without doubts. I'll I'll give you a bonus doubt. (laughs) The bonus doubt episode. (laughs) Bonus doubt for me is you didn't do enough on your defensive line. And I want to watch these kids and I want to see them grow. I just am really concerned that for the last two years, we all know what the Eberflu system is. I covered it when it was Levy Smith running it. Yep. Three most important positions, three technique, weak side linebacker, nickel. Where's your three technique? Because for the last two years, we've been asking that question and the Bears haven't given a quality enough answer for me. Yeah, they want it to be Justin Jones and eventually Javon Dexter. And those are big question marks. And you're right to have questions about that. My biggest question right now, my biggest doubt with this football team is the depth. And so we it goes hand in hand with what I just talked about, because when Nate Davis and Tevin Jenkins are out of practice a week ago, you've got Alex Leatherwood and Jatari Carter taking first team reps with the with the offensive line. You got Lucas Patrick filling in at times and then himself getting hurt. On the back end, Jaquan Brisker and Eddie Jackson have missed time. Eddie missed uh, his time because of the, the birth of a, a child this week. But then you're, you're looking at Elijah Hicks and Adrian Colbert running around on defense in the back end. I just don't know that the quality depth is here for this team to have the margin of error that it probably needs to have with a young developing quarterback and, a, and an unproven though on the rise defense, you know? And so if you're looking to try to get to, to nine wins, you know, if you're looking to have that surprise season, you need to have quality depth. You need to be able to weather a few injuries where on Monday morning, the coach says, so-and-so is hurt next man up and nobody in the city, much less the building flinches. This is not a team that's built that way right now. And it's going to take a while to build it that way. And so my doubt here is that the depth still isn't where it needs to be. And I think Ryan Poles would admit that for them to be a, a legitimate uh, you know, contending team that's got a margin for error that allows you to, 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 to contend without having the ideal perfect case season. I, I think that everything that you have pointed out is really fair. Um, I, I, I guess I was more positive when we started this pod today <laughs> than I am when we finished it. Um, wow. Maybe we should get in reverse order the next time. Yeah, maybe maybe we end on the high and we don't go down the route. Right. <laughs> and we can flip down the playbook. That's what happens when you go back in. You know, post post game film review, you go through it and you say, "All right, we just we, we ran the right plays. They just weren't in the right sequence. Got to get them in the right sequence to get them right." Or the or we need to flip formations. Like there the plays go. were there had we flipped formations. Or the right side we back over here. Exactly. <laughs> then then we would have you know, and then you watch the quarterback show and you see. 
you see Patrick Mahomes being like, oh, we're in the wrong play. We're in the wrong formation. I'm going to send this guy in motion. And now I'm going to be right. Right. Like, that's what I want Justin <laughs> Fields to be able to do, to diagnose stuff and be like, ooh, this play might not work, but I've got rules to protect me in case a play doesn't work. Here you go. That's what I want. So you, you canceled all your plans for Saturday. You've got nothing going between the hour of 12 and three. All you're going to be doing is glued to Bears Titans, correct? Um, incorrect. <laughs> okay. uh, I probably it, I feel like preseason games for me. Here's here's my consumption of a preseason game. I will watch the first quarter live and I do like to be on the couch and write a couple notes and all that stuff. And then what I want is to then come back to it probably Sunday night before we go on the air and then watch it all knowing that I can go through the commercials. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than sitting through an actual three and a half hour preseason game live. No well, offense, because I know that yeah, you got to do, do it for money. Yes. <laughs> I got to do it three Saturdays in a row uh, from now through the end of the month. But the good news is I don't have to do it a fourth Saturday. Thank you, Collective Bargaining Agreement. We'll get that fourth preseason game out of there, and then we get to uh, free up. Well, Lawrence, I always enjoy the conversation. I think you succeeded in taking the Take the North podcast. Woo-hoo! I don't know that you are going to succeed in never giving it back, because I think David Hall will be back next week, and he will wrestle it from you in the SCORE studios if you refuse to give it back. Ball State's finest will be ready and and refreshed and ready for football. It actually works out better because, like him, I'm I'm also now August vacation man, so I'm I'm gonna take some time off during this month. So it works out. He can have the podcast back for a while. All right. So you gave that back without much fight fight at all. So that's good to know. (laughs) To our listeners, remember, you can watch all of our episodes on the 670 The Score YouTube page. Uh, If you want to see them, you can listen to them, obviously, wherever you get your podcasts. Again, like, subscribe. That's Lawrence Holmes. I'm Dan Wiederer for our producer, Adam Stadzinski. Take care, everyone, and enjoy preseason football this weekend.